0: Coming up today on The Story.
1: John went to a real estate agent and said, we want to buy a farm. And the real estate agent said, well, who's the we? And John said, well, God and I. And the real estate agent said to John, well, how much money? What are you talking about? And he says, oh, money's no object. My father's a millionaire. And of course, he was talking about his heavenly father, not his earthly father. But with that, the real estate agent decided to Take
0: him a little bit more seriously. The story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Honey Reifler and her husband John are the founders of the Sherwood Christian Rehab Centre near Coffs Harbour. And over the years, they've seen many miracles of God at their centre. Both of them are excellent storytellers and have incredible stories to tell. So for the next few programs, sit back and relax enjoy some of the awesome adventures that honey and john have experienced today is honey's turn and she'll share a bit of her own story as well as how their drug rehab center miraculously got started that's all coming up today as honey has a chat with eric scadabo honey rifler welcome to the program
1: thank you very much it's lovely to be able to speak to you
2: glad to have you with us and you're joining us from sherwood christian rehab center near Coss harbor is that right that's correct well, thank you for joining us today to tell the story of how this all came about. Where did it all begin?
1: Well, I suppose it all began in, in eternity. It was God's <laughs> plan for our lives.
2: Yes, well, that's going way back.
1: <laughs> that's way back. Yeah. But uh, little did we know, it wasn't until I was 19 and John was 21 that uh, we came to know Jesus, mm-hmm. and that uh, that's really where... Uh, the involvement where the story really began.
2: Okay, but we'll back up for you personally. You were born in New South Wales?
1: I was. I was born in a small country town out western New South Wales called Manila, Mm -hmm. and I grew up in that Tablelands, that New England area of of New South Wales.
2: And your husband, John, where was he born?
1: He was born in Switzerland, and he came out to Australia as a migrant when he was 21.
2: And then... About 1970, you went to Japan. What happened there?
1: Yes, I'd finished school in uh, Baraba, the little town I I went to school in, Mm -hmm. and I was a Rotary exchange student in northern Japan. I was the first foreigner to live in this little village called Mm -hmm. San and it was while I was there that I was really longing for some English language and in those days of course you didn't have access to any English it was a very uh, isolated little village in Japanese ways mm-hmm. and I remembered I had taken a Bible along with me as a special link to my grandmother who'd given it to me when I was 13 mm-hmm. and I opened this Bible and when I opened this Bible this it somehow it all made sense I had grown up going to Sunday school, which mm-hmm. everybody did in those days, but I couldn't find Christ in churchianity. It was like hmm. I, I had lost who was Christ in this church, and it was there, just with the Bible, with God and I, that I came to know Jesus Christ in a real way.
2: Oh, wow, so it wasn't the result of some ministry or something you heard on the radio?
1: No, there was everything was in Japanese, there was nothing in English, Yes, it was simply reading the Bible, and before I'd gone, a really good friend of mine knew that I was searching, Mm -hmm. and she gave me a copy of The Daily Bread, and she had said to me, take this and use it to help you understand the Bible, and she said, but before you do what it says each day, do what it says in the front, and I looked in the front, and there it said, before you begin your devotion... Pray and ask God that he will open your eyes, that you will see great things from his word. Now, I didn't even know if there was a God, but I knew there was some higher power that put this beautiful world in place, Mm -hmm. but I didn't know who it was, and I certainly didn't know how whoever it was had put it in place, had revealed himself to mankind. And when I prayed, I didn't even know who I was praying to, but I prayed opened my eyes that I might see great things from your word. And I found Jesus when I opened that Bible.
2: Wow, in a room by yourself in Japan.
1: Yes, totally. Oh, wow. Totally, and I had no Christian fellowship for that whole year I was in Japan Hmm. because I was in a very isolated little village, Mm -hmm. but it was God and I.
2: Wow. And then you eventually returned to Australia?
1: Yes, and then I came back to Australia And uh, while I had been away, my parents had moved from country New South Wales to Coffs Harbour. Mm -hmm. And they had started going to a church over here, the uh, Coffs Harbour Methodist Church. Mm -hmm. And I went along with them on that Sunday morning, and I found a whole church full of people who had found this Jesus that I had found. But that night, I went along to an evening service, and that's where I met John. And within three days, he'd asked me to marry him.
2: Three days?
1: Yes, three days. And I said, no. I said, God has already planned out my life, and I know what I'm to do. I'm to study occupational therapy, and then I'm to go on to the mission field. And he said, well, you're a Christian, aren't you? You can't say no. You have to pray about it first. <laughs> so <laughs> So I was very flabbergasted, swept off my feet, whirlwind romance, and I realized this was the man that God had planned for me to marry.
2: Oh, so you did pray about it?
1: Oh, oh I did pray about it, but he came back the next day to ask for my answer.
2: Wow, he uh, he really was pursuing you.
1: <laughs> he is uh, a man on the move, yes.
2: So how did it go so fast? I mean, tell us what happened.
1: Well, then um, we... Well, we had to get to know each other. Yeah, that um, would probably
2: be a good thing, yeah.
1: <laughs> Yes, well, that's right. We we married uh, six months later, but before we married, uh, I was nursing at the Coffs Harbour Hospital, mm-hmm. and one night, John picked me up at 10 o'clock to take me home to my parents' place, and he said, Oh, before I take you home, we just have to go down to one of the local beaches. Mm-hmm. He said, I saw a car hidden in the bushes down near one of the beaches today when I was at work, he said I couldn't get down to see this bloke and I really felt God wanted me to go and speak to him so he said let's go and mm. and I said oh no I have an early shift tomorrow, I don't want to go, take me home, he said no no it won't take long and of course love is blind <laughs> uh, you learn that those sort of things aren't quite the truth as you uh, progress in life <laughs> but anyhow down this little windy dirt road we went and there there was a car half pushed into a lantana bush, and there was a man sitting beside a little fire cooking a fish. Now, he was very disheveled, long hair, very a crazy look in his eye. Mm-hmm. And um, we pulled up next to him. This was 10.30 at night. Wow! And he jumped up, and he said, uh, he said, what are you doing here? And John, chirpy, cheery little John, said, Oh, look, I'm John. This is my fiancée, Honey. I saw you today when I was up on the hill mowing. He said, um, I just wanted to come and say hello. And this fellow just sort of said, Who sent you? Very paranoid. And John said to him, God did. And with that, this fellow, whose name was George, jumped up and he started beating his fists on the roof of his car. And he just screamed out into the darkness of the night, Why? Why? Why now? And... With that, we then were able to settle him down, sit him back around the fire, and uh, ask him what was going on in his life. Yeah. And he settled down, and he admitted that that very night, as soon as he had finished cooking that fish, he was heading off to a nearby town called Bellingen. He'd tracked down his wife, who'd run away with a boyfriend, and he was heading out there to murder them.
2: Oh, my goodness.
1: He had the machete in the car. He was all psyched up to do it and god intervened by sending us along wow so there we were sitting there at 11 12 o'clock at night wondering what are we going to do we'd calmed him down and we'd uh, taken the machete away but he was still very very vulnerable and we thought what can we do and john wasn't able to take him home to the place where he was living and i said well i could take him home to my place but you'll have to be up early to pick him up because my father will want to know what on earth this fellow is doing in the spare bedroom.
2: Yeah, I would think so, yeah. um,
1: Anyhow, that was where we saw then with this fellow, George, how these people who had been into drugs were really, really quite disturbed Mm. and they needed time. And so we prayed about it. We said, God, what can we do? We can't just keep picking these people up, praying with them, and putting them back on the road. And mm-hmm. that's when both of us felt that God spoke to each of us separately, but exactly the same thing, and said that we would have set up a place where people like George could come and have time to grow mentally, physically, and spiritually.
2: And hence the idea of a drug rehab center was burst right. in your mind. So minds. that was
1: back in about September 71. Mm-hmm. We married in February '72, and we said, Okay, God, let's do it. We're ready. We're married. Mm -hmm. And God knew that we were very, very unprepared. We were too wet behind the ears. We still didn't even know each other, let alone to be thrust into the middle of a ministry. So in God's wisdom, he took us to Western Australia and there, that vision that I had that I was to study occupational therapy was fulfilled mm-hmm. in that I was accepted into the university over there, mm-hmm. and John was pastoring an aboriginal church, and this was our preparation ground for the next almost the next seven years.
2: so that prepared you to be able to help people with drug yes. addictions well,
1: that gave us a tremendous amount of um, academic preparation, but also life experiences as
0: well. You're listening to The Story. Our guest today is Honnie Reifler, who, along with her husband John, are the founders of the Sherwood Christian Rehab Centre near Coffs Harbour in New South Wales. Honnie has written a book about the numerous miracles of God they've seen over the years at their centre called Countless. As we've been hearing, she has countless stories to tell. We'll hear more when we return. The Story If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. I'm Jimmy Colfax, and this is The Story. We're continuing with Eric Scadabo having a chat with Honey Reifler, who's the author of the book Countless, which is a collection of stories reflecting on the numerous miracles of God that have happened at their Sherwood Christian Rehab Centre near Coffs Harbour in New South Wales. Before the break, we heard how Honey met and married her husband, John. Now, we're going to hear the miraculous way their drug rehab centre got its start.
1: Then, when it was god 's time, he through a series of of Bible verses, God was pointing the direction that now was the time. Uh, we had been over to Coffs Harbor on a holiday, and um, while we were here, we looked around John went to a real estate agent and said, "We want to buy a farm and the real estate agent said, "Well, who's the we and John said, "Well, God and i <laughs> and This real estate agent thought he was a crazy loony off the street, but he'd found out John was from Switzerland. His parents were visiting, and the real estate agent said to John, well, how much money? What are you talking about? And he says, oh, money's no object. My father's a millionaire. And, of course, he was talking about his heavenly father, (laughs) not his earthly father, but with that, the real estate agent decided to take him a little bit more seriously, listen to the story of the type of property he was after, and that we were looking for, and the real estate agent said, well, I was drinking in the pub last night with a bloke, he was a bit under the weather, but he said, um, put my farm on the market. So the real estate agent said, I have a property that might be what you're looking for, Mm -hmm. isolated, no house on it, one entrance, all this. He said, uh, but I'm not sure if the fellow really wants to sell, but I'll get in touch in the cold light of dawn, and he'd sobered up, he said, oh, all right, if you've got a buyer. Anyhow, we came out, looked at this property, and we both felt this is where God was going to fulfill this vision that we'd had back in 71. But feelings are not enough. We wanted a bit more specific than that. So we put out a fleece before God, in that we asked God to miraculously provide the deposit Mm -hmm. for the farm by the uh, one month that the real estate agent had given us. Mm -hmm. And within that month, exactly that amount of money had come in miraculously.
2: Oh, wow.
1: So on the basis of that, we put our house on the market in Perth and we were able to sell that. We had six months then to come up with the rest of the money. And right to the very last day of that six months, we sold our house and we made the exact amount of profit on the sale of the house to enable us to buy the land, the tractor, and to move us back from Western Australia back to New South Wales.
2: Wow, so it was all happening, confirmation that God was behind what you were doing.
1: Absolutely, and Mm -hmm. that's what we wanted. We wanted that confirmation because here we were going to a very isolated, rugged little bush block, no house, a four-month-old baby, no no, nothing, no electricity, no running wow. water, no nothing. Yeah. And we wanted to know, is this where God wants us to be? And that was our confirmation of his miraculous provision of the land.
2: Mm-hmm. So you wanted to start a drug rehab center?
1: Yes. So, And I'd ask God, could we have six months to at least put roofs over our heads?
2: Sounds reasonable.
1: And we drove in the gate in an old school bus. And another couple had a caravan, and we drove in the gate with our very first alcoholic. And within the first week, we had the first heroin addict there.
2: So the Lord was providing, unfortunately, people who were troubled and yes. addicted.
1: That's right. The last thing we really needed in this very pioneering, rugged situation were people with mammoth, life-threatening problems. But God knew what He was doing. This was our preparation. Mm-hmm. And in it, we were to trust Him totally. Totally for everything, from Mm. finances to run the place, to wisdom to be able to know what to do, people to help us. Uh, It was to be a faith ministry Mm -hmm. that would be a witness to an unbelieving world Mm -hmm. and a doubting church that God is real and God is able. And within days of being there, John woke up one morning.
2: Hold on a second. Yes? Did you have any place to sleep?
1: We had the old school bus. That was it. And we had two sets of double-decker bunks in that, and we had two blokes on the second set of bunks, and we were on the other set of bunks with the baby, and the other couple oh. had uh, a caravan. That was it. We had no flushing toilet. We had just a pan behind a lantana bush. Oh, my We had goodness. no electricity, apart from what we made with a generator. We had no running water, except for what was in the creek. And we just set forth to, to do all sorts of things. We uh, dug a dam in the creek, and we constructed a ledge on the cliff just behind us, and we carried up a swimming pool, and we pumped water up to the swimming pool, and that uh, then the gravity fed down, and we actually had water come out of a tap. So we had to, to do everything.
2: Very basic.
1: Oh, it was. It was basic, all right, wow. but it was fun.
2: And that's how the drug rehab centers started.
1: That's how it began, and it began with these troubled people.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then, within days, John had had this vision from God that we were to get railway carriages. and to Just visit. out of the
2: blue, he had this Yeah, out vision. of the blue. He woke yeah. up
1: one morning, and he said, I've had this dream. He said, you stay here and pray. I'm going to Grafton to talk to the station master and about buying some railway carriages. So he... I can't say we prayed with very much uh, faith or enthusiasm. We thought he was crazy. (laughs) Anyhow, off he went to Grafton to uh, talk to the station master. And the station master listened and sort of said, I've worked for the railways for 30 years. I've only sold tickets. I don't sell railway carriages. (laughs) And John said, well, this is what God told me. And God doesn't lie. Um, So the station master said, well, look i'll put you on to clyde wagon works where they make carriages in sydney with the railways mm-hmm. and um john got on the phone there told this fellow his testimony of how he'd come to know jesus and what jesus was doing with this drug rehab and the fellow at the other end said stop stop that'll do i've heard enough he said uh, how many carriages do you want wow and John hadn't really thought how many he wanted because you don't normally buy railway carriages. <laughs> and he just said, Oh, half a dozen. I think he thought he was buying eggs. <laughs> but anyhow, he said half a dozen. And the fellow said, Right, first two will arrive in Glen Ray at the railway station next Saturday. And oh they'll cost goodness. you a hundred dollars each.
2: A hundred dollars each?
1: To pay for the transport.
2: Well, that's next anyhow, to
1: nothing. We we he came back all excited about these carriages, and we were sort of excited, but we thought, well, God, where are we going to get $200 from? That was like $20,000 to us in those days. We didn't have the money, so we started praying, Mm -hmm. and we prayed and we prayed. We organized for a friend with a semi-trailer and a crane. Uh, We had all that organized to pick up these carriages, Mm -hmm. but we didn't have the money, And we get down there to the railway station thinking, oh, Lord, where's this $200? We've got to pay this up front. And we get there, and our local station master said, he said, look, I can't believe it. He said, these carriages came marked with your name. And he said, I looked inside. There was nothing inside. And John said, no, no, it's nothing inside. We're having the carriages. (laughs) And there was also a note that said, tell that funny pastor in the bush... This is to help the good work get started and free of charge.
2: Oh, my goodness.
1: So we ended up with eight of those goods vans over the next couple of months until finally we also ended up with two passenger wagons. And if you could see the road that comes into Sherwood Cliffs from Glenray, it's a dirt road, windy, narrow cuttings, uh, narrow one-lane wooden bridges. Yeah absolute miracle that these carriages came in, but God had given them to us, so he must be able to make a way to get them here. And he did.
2: So you went from the bus to eight carriages?
1: To the carriages, yes. We we decked out uh, the goods vans as bedrooms for the men who were coming into Mm -hmm. the program, and the ladies, and the passenger wagons, uh, we, we used those as bedrooms, kitchens, And in between the two big passenger wagons, we put a dining room, uh, kitchen, and a big lounge room library upstairs.
2: Now, one of the success stories, one of the many success stories, was a person who went on to become your son-in-law. Is that right?
1: Yes, that's correct. So for us, uh, running a drug rehab means that people have to fulfill two criteria to come. Mm -hmm. One is they have to acknowledge that they have a problem. Mm -hmm. And number two they have to want help for that problem.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. And usually, most people who, who get into the drug scene in Australia start with marijuana. Mm-hmm. Marijuana makes it very difficult to really ascertain where you're at in life. You, mm. you lose your perspective. So therefore, very few uh, addicts come into the program who are addicted to just marijuana it's usually they've moved on to much heavier substances that have really caused all sorts of major health and legal and family Mm -hmm. and mental health problems in their life. Mm -hmm. But in the case of Colin, Colin had grown up in a lovely Christian family. Uh, His grandfather actually had pastored the Coffs Harbour Baptist Church when we arrived here in Coffs. But um, Colin had chosen to go his own way in life at Mm -hmm. a very young age Mm -hmm. and had got very seriously into a lot of drug abuse but miraculously at 20 Colin discovered through the death of friends who were taking drugs through the the grief of his mother a lot of things brought Colin to his knees but it was a miracle because it's very unusual for somebody at that age to really ascertain Number one, do they have a problem? Mm -hmm. It's everybody else's problem, not theirs, I think. And number two, to want help for that problem. Well, Colin came in at 20. He'd reached the end of his limit. He'd seen friends die. He himself should have been dead, but miraculously God had spared him, and he saw that he had a problem and wanted help. So he came into the program probably 20 years ago, Mm -hmm. and um, while he was there... He was all of 20 years of age. Um, He met our daughter, who was all of about 17, I think, at that stage. Mm -hmm. And, of course, we don't encourage relationships in any shape or form during somebody's uh, life where they're in such a mess. Mm -hmm. But uh, God knew what he was doing, and these two eventually god did bring them together they married and they actually now run sherwood cliffs and we've retired from the leadership of it
2: oh my goodness
1: and they've been on staff probably 12 years i think now yeah yes
2: so he kind of has gone back to his heritage his christian heritage
1: well he has well and truly yes and uh, chantal has grown up in in a drug rehab so she's seen it from the other Mm -hmm. side and thankfully, she didn't get into the drugs herself. Mm-hmm. So again, they bring uh, experience as well as the um, academic preparation for this leadership.
2: Okay. And so they didn't go right into that role. They had gone away for a while. Is that right?
1: Yes, that's right. They, uh, uh, Colin did a university degree in teaching and uh, Chantal did nursing so they had a lot of preparation. They mm-hmm. were very involved with refugees in Coffs Harbour, with the Christian surfers. They went over to Western Australia for a while, and then God brought them back here to Coffs Harbour. And then he spoke to them both about uh, coming out to work at Sherwood, and they thought they were just coming for maybe a couple of years. Mm-hmm. But here they are 12 years later and now running the work. Oh, wow. Yes.
2: So it's kind of come full circle, in a sense. It
1: certainly has. It's wonderful. It's wonderful.
2: Fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us today.
1: And thank you, Eric, for uh, interviewing me. And I just pray that if there's anybody out there who's who feels hopeless and helpless in this whole drug scene, don't give up. There's a God there who loves you. Just call out to him. And he inclines his ear to hear.
0: Amen. That was Eric Scatterbo having a chat with Honey Reifler, who was sharing her amazing story. Honey, along with her husband John, are the founders of the Sherwood Christian Rehab Centre near Coffs Harbour in New South Wales. Honey has written a book about the numerous miracles of God they've seen over the years in their centre called Countless. And if you'd like to learn more about their drug rehabilitation centre or the book, you can go to their website, sherwoodcliffs.com.au. That's sherwoodcliffs.com.au. Dot com.au. And because Honey and John are great storytellers And have countless incredible stories to tell We've invited John to join us next time To share more about how God has been working in their lives So you don't want to miss John's side of the story When he joins us next time Meanwhile we'll end today with some verses from the Bible That come to mind when reflecting on Honey and John's life journey They're from Psalm 86 For you Lord are great and do marvellous deeds You alone are God I will praise you with all of my heart I will glorify your name forever. Amen. Well, until next time, when we'll hear John Rifle's story, I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story.
1: I couldn't swim properly. I had no idea about an undertow. So I got pulled out and pulled out, and the cars and the houses on the beach got smaller and smaller. And then a guy came past on a boogie board. So I grabbed his boogie board and, and sort of, tried to tell him take me back but he we all both got pulled back outside so he kicked me in the head and the last thing i remember was a big foot in my face and i passed
0: out john rifler and his wife Honey are the founders of the sherwood christian rehab center near Cops harbor last time honey shared about the miraculous way their rehab center got started and this time it's john's turn to share his incredible stories that's all coming up next time